Hello everyone, it's Ryan Croto here from the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast. For those of you who are new listeners to the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast, we are an outpatient-based physical therapy company based in Rhode Island, and we do have one clinic in southeastern Massachusetts that evaluates and treats a plethora of conditions and injuries. This podcast series is a way to get you, the listeners, important information you need to know to stay healthy, avoid and prevent injury, help self-treat basic injuries, and just learn more about physical therapy in the field in general. Today, I'm joined again by the wonderful Jason Harvey, who is the COO and co-founder, or not co-founder, but a co-owner of uh, Elite Physical Therapy. So, Jason, if you'd like to say hello to the followers for me. Hey, uh, thanks for having me again, Ryan. I'm glad to be here and, and talk on another episode here of the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast. Yeah, so today, me and Jason are actually... Uh, in person for the first time usually we've been recording a lot of these uh you know with the covid19 virus going on kind of online but i get to actually see jason in the clinic today which is awesome and what jason's going to be focusing on for today's topic is a really interesting topic we're going to be talking about impairment and injuries and possible uh, biomechanical issues people might have in relation to baseball which another thing it might kind of give some time frame away we just found out that the mlb season coming is coming back so it's it's perfect timing for this episode, all right? Um, but I'll let Jason kind of discuss things and get into things. You guys already know a lot about him from episode two when I interviewed him. So we're going to get right into today's topic of, um, like I said, injuries really related to sports. So Jason, if you wanted to start talking about kind of the physical impairments or injuries that you really will commonly see with baseball players, I know you've treated a lot of baseball players here. If you even want to talk about that, who you've kind of worked with specifically in the clinic. Yeah, no, thank you, Ryan. And as baseball now is coming back uh, here, Major League Baseball, as well as a lot of summer leagues are starting to kick off, uh, we we do see a lot of shoulder elbow injuries in the game of baseball. And we've seen you know, a bit of an epidemic uh, on younger athletes playing uh, little league and high school and college ball, in particular with the elbow and the UCL, the ulnar collateral ligament in the elbow, which is kind of a guide wire that just kind of holds the elbow together. And so, you know, the common injuries that we do see in baseball is uh, shoulder and elbow issues, um, you know, and for good reason. We're trying to generate a lot of force through the shoulder and the elbow to throw baseball as hard as you can. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of things that go into being able to throw a ball and being able to create that rotational force. Uh, I myself, I've had an opportunity to treat uh, several high school youth players uh, as well as college players. So more recently in the last couple of years, uh, I've been doing a lot of work with the Brown University baseball team and being able to help them stay on the field, being able to help them optimize their performance, uh, being able to get them back on the field if they were injured. Uh, and some of the, the common things that we'll see are either a, a tendonitis, uh, so just where there's an inflammatory process happening in the tendons and or ligaments in and around the elbow and shoulder. Uh, sometimes we'll see muscle strains. So again, whether it be rotator cuff, it be muscles surrounding the shoulder blade uh, and or it, things like the biceps or the triceps or forearm uh, muscles being impacted. So it really kind of... It varies, but it stays pretty much along the extremity in which they're throwing uh, when it comes to a baseball player and sort of the most common injuries that we do see. And so with that, there's there's a proper sort of uh, kind of maintenance of that. I do know that you know many baseball players, as they get back into playing, will go through a period in which things hurt or things are sore. 
And so sometimes it's not like you need to run in and, and have physical therapy every time something just is a little bit sore or hurt. But there are moments when it's inflamed and there's some real issues that do need to be evaluated and uh, checked out by a physical therapist. Uh, as you discussed, some of the most common injuries are elbow and shoulder. What are some, I guess, hallmark or key signs you would be looking for if a baseball player were to come in um, for an evaluation saying, I have shoulder elbow pain? Is it is it mainly you're seeing a lack of range of motion? Is it just someone just comes in with pain? Or is it is it kind of all of it, it combined into one, strength deficits and whatnot? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's all of it uh, into, into one, and meaning you're definitely seeing some range of motion limitations. You're, you're seeing they, they have pain even when they're not doing their sport. Uh, so if they're just lifting things or they're laying on the arm and it hurts uh, and, and there's pain doing other activities other than just throwing the ball, uh, then you really have to dive in. And there's something that's an inflammatory process that needs to be settled down uh, before they can continue throwing again. And for those that it, it's still really bothering them when they throw, they'll probably see a, a large decline in their velocity. So they won't be able to throw it as hard. Uh, their mechanics will have changed. So now they're kind of throwing a little bit awkwardly and their coaches are pointing it out to them and they're not sure why or they don't even notice that they made that difference. Uh, all they know is now every time they try to throw, it hurts and they're not sure what to do. They're starting to get nervous. So there's like this anxiety that kind of comes in uh, about should I keep playing? What do I do? And so if you're an athlete that's going through that, you've got this anxiety that you know something's going on, something's not right, you're not able to throw as hard as you did, this is lasting more than a week, this has now gone to 10 days, uh, it's worth getting checked out to make sure that it's nothing significant and or it's something that can be, be worked out through gaining more mobility, more flexibility, uh, and then kind of restoring and recovering from that inflammatory process before you get back into throwing with more volume. What would you say are some of the, and I guess this kind of goes into the biomechanics, what are what would you say are some of the most important ranges or strength in certain muscles that a baseball player needs to have to throw effectively? So for example, when a pitcher um, you know, goes through the windup when they're cocking their arm back, I'll let you talk about that, versus coming forward with that velocity. What are some ranges or ligaments or uh, tendons and muscles that need to be maybe a little bit stronger or more uh, I don't want to say on par, but a little bit excel over other muscle groups in order to function properly for a proper throw and have that strong velocity when you are pitching or throwing a baseball. Yeah, the, the first uh, real major indicator that uh, to look at as a physical therapist when you're dealing with uh, a baseball pitcher or baseball thrower in general, first for a pitcher, they have to have enough what's called external rotation range of motion, particularly with the elbow out abducted to about 90 degrees. So your elbow at the height of your shoulder out to your side and then ha externally rotate the, the shoulder to, they have to have at least 180 degrees of external rotation with their elbow out at 90 degrees of abduction. Uh, and if they don't, they're gonna be very susceptible to having injuries in the shoulder. Uh, ideally, you fall somewhere between 180 degrees and 200 degrees of passive range of motion so they can have enough layback when they throw because that layback is what creates all the stored energy that just comes flying out of the shoulder and, and the body when they go through their follow through. So first and foremost, they have to have 180 to 200 degrees of total 
rotation of total movement in the shoulder. So as you take them from internal rotation through external rotation, do they have 180 to 200 degrees? If they don't, you have to get it. So that's first and foremost. Second, it's then restoring the strength and stability of the muscles surrounding the shoulder girdle as a whole. Uh, so do you have enough uh, strength in the rotator cuff, internal rotators, external rotators, uh, so that they can uh, they can work as the brakes of the shoulder in essence because once that arm goes into layback and that arm comes flying forward the rotator cuff acts as the brakes to hold the arm in the socket and they need to be able to activate and be able to hold the force uh, of that arm flying through uh, the the mechanics of throwing a ball so it's then the strength of the cuff. And so that external internal rotation strength. And then from there too, it's the scapula stabilizer strength. So serratus anterior, we're looking at rhomboid, middle trap, lower trap. There has to be good uh, strength through the, the scapula uh, itself, because again, those are more breaks. And you know, the old adages in baseball and particularly with throwing is, is think of a race car and your arm is like a race car, right? So if you had a, a race car that goes 250 miles an hour or 210 miles an hour, and I handed you the keys to it and told you, you can go ahead and, and drive this car and go as fast as you can across this football field. And at the end of the football field is a cliff. Well, you're going to drive it as fast as you think you can slow it down at the end without it falling off the cliff, right? Well, similar thing happens with the shoulder. Your arm will only be allowed to go as fast as your body and your brain knows it can slow it down. So if you want to throw with more velocity, you need to gain more strength in your brakes so that you can stop it. And then once the brain feels like it's got the, the brakes down and you've got good strength and stability and good motion there, it will free up the velocity for you to throw harder. And so that works in reverse when you get injured. So you get stiffer, you get weaker, your velocity starts to decline. And so you need to get those breaks back and you need to get them working before you're able to get back into really functioning at a high level in your sport. That is That has to be one of the best analogies I've ever heard for a baseball player. I, I can't say I've ever heard of that before, but it, I think it nails it straight on the head right there um, about what you're going through as a baseball player biomechanically. Uh, something I want you to just touch on, Jason, too, for those who are baseball players listening, thinking, you know, I do have some soreness, I do have some achiness, stiffness. What are some things here as a physical therapist that we do either whether manual techniques or exercises that you're giving to a lot of baseball players, you notice to help get them better. I don't want you to give up all the secrets here at elite physical therapy, but just a few, just to give them a taste of pretty much how you've helped. Um, like I said, high school and collegiate level athletes return to sport. Yeah. When it comes to somebody that's, uh, that's injured or has something going on oftentimes and, you know, being a baseball player, I know that you're trying to grind through it. Right? You kind of expect it as part of the process of being a ball player. So what ends up happening is, is usually you've created some issues elsewhere. Uh, so oftentimes I'm doing an assessment and we're reviewing things and we're starting from the feet and working our way up. I'll see a lot of stiffness in the thoracic spine. I'll see some stiffness through the hips. Uh, and then I'll see some things that translate up into the, into the arm and into the neck. And if you don't have appropriate spine function going on in the neck, you're not going to have appropriate neural activity going into the cuff muscles so that your brakes can stay strong. Likewise, if you don't have appropriate mobility in your hips and in your spine as you get lower, uh, you're going to have issues with your legs being able to create force and then stop force so you can rotate in order to throw the ball. Uh, so issues in the hips 
and the low back or mid back can create issues in the shoulder and elbow as well. So when I'm looking at things, there are things where I'm going down the chain to clean that up in order for us to be better in the shoulder and elbow. So when you come in and see a PT, it's not just shoulder elbow, it's a whole body because that your whole body is throwing the ball, not just your shoulder and elbow. That's just on the end of this, this whip, this chain that's happening. Uh, so, you know, as you come in, we do a lot of myofascial release stuff. We're cleaning the tissue. We're trying to make sure that it's loose. It's got good blood flow. You can recover quickly. Uh, we're making sure that your range of motion and mobility is restored. So we do this through different things. I'll teach people how to do some self myofascial release through foam roll use or the use of a lacrosse ball on the right areas and then doing appropriate stretches for the cuff and to gain more range of motion by blocking the shoulder blade. So it will put you in certain positions to block the shoulder blade so you get a true pull on the tissue. Because if you don't block the shoulder blade, the shoulder blade just floats on the back of your rib cage and it can actually pull off the rib cage and you don't actually stretch the cuff. So we teach you the appropriate stretching mechanisms to be able to stretch the cuff effectively. And then we also will teach you a solid arm care program. And arm care is vital in today's game and if you want to be a high school or collegiate player you've got to get into arm care now uh, everybody's doing it everybody in major league baseball has an arm care program they do it religiously if you talk about the best mlb players they will say one of the key components to them being able to be better and be stronger is their arm care program and the effectiveness that they, they the attention they give it and so again at physical therapy we teach you an arm care program which uh, are exercises that are dedicated to making sure that that shoulder girdle is solid. Yeah, and I think I can't even speak even more uh, to the arm care program. I've, I've heard about arm care programs themselves uh, for baseball players through, through my schooling. And I think not only, obviously, to help treat someone, but it's also a great way to prevent further injury or re-injury in someone's shoulder elbow who is a baseball player. And, and, to go, and so going off of that, Jason, I know we've talked a lot about um, impairments and the idea of pain uh, and things that, you know, will definitely bring in a baseball player just because that is what they're feeling right then and there. But can we can we discuss more about, I guess, the mechanics that you'll look for or you'll see in a baseball player that might be prior to them actually having the impairment or pain that you want to look for uh, during an evaluation or you'll see in baseball players? Yeah, I mean, it, the mechanics are really important pieces. And, you know, there's all sorts of people that will, will kind of debate this topic, too. It's, it's a widely debated topic, meaning do mechanics really play a, a role in arm pain and developing issues? And so I can say from, you know, obviously there's research that supports that, yes, that having uh, improper mechanics will create a situation in which someone's going to have arm pain and or they're going to develop issues and impairments or injuries from that. Uh, that being said, if somebody doesn't throw with high velocity or doesn't throw with a lot of force, yeah, you might be able to get by a lot for a while with poor mechanics. But as you get bigger, stronger, and you start trying to put more velocity on poor mechanics, there is research that supports that. Uh, that means that you may leave yourself susceptible to be being injured and not having as long of a career. Uh, and so, so the biomechanics become a vital piece of, uh, of looking at somebody that's returning to baseball, uh, particularly after an injury, but also pre-injury. If there's someone that's, you know, got mechanics that 
it, it just kind of does look herky-jerky. Well, then kind of assessing those mechanics and, and taking a look at them to see, are they hitting appropriate landmarks and milestones through the mechanics at the appropriate times so that they're not risking injury? And I've seen it where people have, or uh, players have gone and they've gotten injured, they went and rehabbed somewhere, and then they said, okay, your strength's perfect, your range of motion's perfect, everything looks really good, you can bring your arm through the entire motion, now you're, you're ready to go back and play. And so the person goes back and they start ramping up their throwing and it hurts, it's still painful. And so they go back to the PT and they ask, well, why is my arm still hurt? And the PT says, oh, I don't know, I checked it and your strength's good, your range of motion's good, it shouldn't hurt. Right. Well, those people have ended up on my doorstep and I've had to kind of run them through a throwing analysis. And in reviewing their throwing analysis, they've got certain things, certain impairments in their mechanics that need to be cleaned up. And once we cleaned up those mechanics, then they've gone on and they no longer had arm pain. But for the most part, they didn't really have many impairments and they weren't injured per se. The pain was just being generated in part because with the poor mechanics, there's, there's shearing, there's things happening in the joints of the shoulder, elbow, uh, there's tissue being asked to do something that uh, it feels like it, it can't quite do over a sustained period. So the brain is a smart machine. It says, no, I'm not going to let you. And it throws out these alarms that says, we're not going to go there because it's going to cause a problem. And so being able to clean up those mechanics, the brain will naturally shut that uh, neural pathway off and be able to allow you to just throw the, the way that you're supposed to. So there are certain things, certain mechanical flaws that we'll look for uh, to try to make sure that we clean up. Uh, in particular, uh, there's like a, they call it a reverse W in the, in the baseball world. And it's basically an M. Now I'm not quite sure why they call it a reverse W and why they don't call it an M, but it's basically one in which a reverse W is created between the two elbows as the patient goes into cocking the arm back. Uh, in which the hand is below the elbow uh, before they throw. So when their lead foot hits the ground, where is that hand in relation to the elbow? If their elbow is way high up in the air and their hand is below the elbow, we're going to run into some problems because as soon as that lead foot hits the ground, that's when the hips start to rotate and the trunk starts to rotate. And that hand has to come above the elbow and it goes ends up going in a circular motion which the elbow is more of a hinge than it is something that uh, accepts uh, direction in multiplane. So it, it can be problematic for the elbow when someone is having that kind of reverse W or their hand is below their elbow on lead foot contact. Uh, there's other things we're looking at too. In other words, if their elbow is too high uh, or if their elbow is too low on lead foot contact, even though the hand is above the elbow, so just kind of some, some little things there uh, that we kind of watch out for. Also looking at the mechanics, uh, when they throw, are they using their hips or are they more quad dominant? So when they bend their back leg, uh, their rear leg, does their knee go out in front of their toes or does it stay back so that they're getting into their glutes? Because if your kind of knee is falling forward over your toes, home plate is the other way, 180 degrees. So it makes it difficult to make that turn in the hip when you're more on your quad and your butt or your glutes aren't working. And so being able to, to mitigate and dissipate some of the forces uh, through your hips and your other joints and your trunk become vital in the mechanics 
And if, if you're leaving your shoulder and elbow hung out to dry, it's going to be problematic and it's going to start to create some pain. Um, so I've even seen it where people that start to get into a fatigue before they get pain, their mechanics just change and they can't throw as hard and they're wondering why. Well, because your brain shut you down before it got injured. And so uh, some people have that, that safety mechanism and other people, it's not until they get injured do they realize that there's a problem. Uh, so again, the mechanics are vital and there's other little markers that we watch for too. If someone's opening their front shoulder too soon uh, before that lead foot contact, uh, there's, there's, so there's, there's a few different things that we look at in mechanics. And sometimes, you know, the way people start and then the way that people get there is very different. But as long as they're hitting these ranges, these landmarks, they're usually in pretty good spot. So on a, a high-speed camera or a regular video, you might look at it and go, huh, those mechanics look, that, that looks really dangerous. I don't know what's going on there. But when you slow it down into a slow uh, you know, even with an iPhone and you slow it way down, you can see that they actually clean up the flaw at the right times so they don't need to change anything in their mechanics. Versus other people, you watch them and you go, oh, that looks great. They look like they have great mechanics. Then you slow it way down and you notice, whoa, there's a couple little things there that they should probably clean up so they don't have any problems moving forward. So again, you can't really assess it in high speed or in real time. It has to be broken down in a video to truly assess, are they hitting these landmarks? The movement of pitching and throwing is just so dynamic and so fast that it's virtually impossible to see it with the naked eye. Uh, there are some things you can pick out, but really uh, it has to be slowed down on video uh, to assess uh, the biomechanics of throwing and pitching. A lot of information there, a lot of great information there. And I think just uh, you even talking about the importance of biomechanics and physical therapy in general is something that I can relate to. I don't know as much about uh, biomechan uh, biomechanics in relation to baseball, but I do know the importance as a PT of teaching biomechanics in every exercise we do, whether it is a shoulder, elbow, hip, low back, ankle, knee, anything. Uh, just the importance of educating those on how important form technique and biomechanics can be. Cause like you said, you can have someone who tests strength wise, perfect, good range of motion. But if they do, for example, uh, like a squat or something, they're still having pain and it might not be because of these impairments. It's actually because of a biomechanical actual issue of how they're using a, a certain technique or form to complete those. So I think it's great that you, you touched on that. Um, and, uh, I just want to say thank you again, Jason, for coming on for, with all this information. I think it's going to be great. Anyone who is a baseball player, I'm going to suggest listen to this entire podcast. I learned a lot just listening to it, and I think any baseball player uh, is going to learn a lot, especially if you're a pitcher and you are looking to make it to that next level. These are important things you need to know about your your shoulder and your elbow and your mechanics as a pitcher if you want to make it to that level. So once again, Jason, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, Ryan. And I do know that, you know, again, as things get ramped back up here in 2020, uh, you know, what people have asked, do you, do you think that there's going to be a lot of a lot of elbow or shoulder issues now that there isn't a full spring training in Major League Baseball uh, and that maybe the youth players uh, and amateur players that have ramped into summer leagues didn't really have the appropriate uh, offseason that they typically would. And to that, I actually say, I think we might see less elbow and shoulder issues, and I think we may end up seeing more kind of trunk, uh, hip, oblique type issues because they haven't really 
had to take full swings against uh, pitches that are coming in with movement and and or pitchers now you know really pitching with intent and utilizing muscles that they they haven't used in a long time so uh, I think the elbow and shoulder thing may not be that bad because really everybody is hyper focused on pitch count and making sure that volume gets ramped in uh, which is important so I think we may actually see a little bit of some of the other things that we haven't seen in years past uh, like little oblique strains or lat strain or hamstring pulls uh, and things like that in the game of baseball. So again, you know, my my uh, general just kind of suggestion again is to just be mindful of you know what you're doing for some sort of arm care, stretching, mobility program. Uh, ramp in the volume uh, as best you can, trying to increase your throwing with uh, doing some some long toss in your program to to build up your arm. And then also when you're swinging the bat, uh, just continue to kind of build up build up your volume uh, and how hard you're swinging so it's all going to help to try to keep you healthy throughout the season you heard it here from the elite physical therapy podcast thank you once again jason and thank you everyone who tuned in for today's episode we appreciate all of our listeners and followers here at the elite physical therapy podcast remember to follow us on our social media platforms such as instagram and facebook by just simply typing in elite physical therapy and if you have any aches or pains you're starting to have any type of trunk shoulder elbow pains maybe we can get you in with jason he is not only just an owner of the company but also does treat people um but yeah give us a call at our main number at 401-737-4581 or schedule an appointment uh online via the website at elitephysicaltherapy.com and tune in for our episode that will be coming up uh, in the next couple days shortly don't know exactly who we'll be having on i believe i'll be having on um, another clinician here named Mark Baston on uh, to talk about the APTA and how he is involved in that. But I will see you all then. Mm-hmm.